In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my proletariat partner in crime is the one and only... Hello, comrades. Travis Ratz here. <laughs> Travis Ratz on the ones and twos. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast where we talk about comic books, all sorts of stuff, nerd things. You are on an episode where we are doing a comic book club. We're a lot like Oprah. We pick a book, millions of people read it, and then we talk about it. Except none of that actually happens. We did pick a comic book, and we are reading it tonight. Uh, the comic book we're talking about is Superman Red Sun uh, by Mark Miller, Dave Johnson, and Killian Plunkett with this uh, other world's tale about a communist Superman. On the podcast today, Travis, we have not one guest, but two guests, and we are super close together. I can see that. I can see that. We, we have a slight, slight technical difficulties today as we do this podcast. So, uh, my pal, Jeremy Olam, previous guest of the show. What's up? And another Ooh. podcast pal, Freddie, is on the show. I am back. Sometimes I was in bitches. <laughs> but then you <laughs> said, <laughs> yeah. Freddie, is this your fourth time on the show? I think it's my fourth time. Freddie's, oh. Freddie's fourth time on the podcast. And with the setup, and, his last time, he's like, I'm not suffering through this again. <laughs> Each time so, we make Freddie get closer and closer to us. And so on this podcast, we're a little close quarters today because of technical difficulties. Because you know what? If you can't be close to your nerd friends and talk about comic books, I don't know. I don't know what to do. So, uh, Travis, we normally ask our guests what their first exposure to comics is, but both of these guys have already told us what their first exposure to comics is. And this is where I hope you did a little bit of planning mm. and thought of something to ask these gentlemen while they're mm. on the show. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. All right, what is, gentlemen? <clears throat> we'll start with Freddie first. Uh, what is your first, or what, what is your favorite rendition of Superman? It could be in media, uh, in print, anything. My favorite storyline is uh, the, the Man of Tomorrow. It's written by Brian Azzarello, yeah, and Azzarello. it's artist by Jim Lee. And I just love that story. You know, it's just uh, it it goes into the weakness of Superman. Man, not being kryptonite, but humans is his true weakness. Mm. His love for humanity. How true deep. it is. Man. Deep. So deep. Yeah. <laughs> no. Super deep. That's Jeremy? It. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 19, late 70s, Christopher Reeve, Superman. Um, I remember being a kid and watching that movie, and I loved it. And I still love it, even though it's really cheesy watching it in retrospect. But I still... I'm still down with uh, movie Superman from the 70s. Do you own it on streaming form? <laughs> I do not actually own it on streaming form. How big so of a I guess fan can you be? How big of a fan can you be? Yeah, Superman, I, I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, Superman's never been that much of my jam, but uh, I did enjoy this book, so that's good. Oh, we already know. We already got one rating in. We have one enjoyed. One well, enjoyed. Let's yeah. see how the rest. Let's Good, see how the rest I think this, out. This this is communist propaganda bullshit, and uh, <laughs> I had no part of it. You know what my favorite Superman is? The goddamn American Superman. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Travis, who's what's your favorite? So let's keep the train going. What's your favorite iteration of uh, 
of Superman. Uh, uh, like Jeremy, I'm not a I'm not actually a, a big Superman fan um, as far as the character is concerned. Uh, can I say Death of Superman? Superman because he dies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think that works. I think that works. Why don't people like Superman? I don't get the hate. He's the Cyclops. <laughs> he's like it's, it's the Cyclops syndrome. He's just too much of a Boy Scout, and I think that there's there's something in like the the puberty hitting male gene where you're like I don't want to be the best person on the team I want to be like the third runner up I, I can't wanna, put myself I in Superman's shoes yeah, I, I can't put myself in Superman's shoes I need something that I can relate to I don't want to be and the those types jock probably be a little big. I don't want to be the jock of the comic book universe I want to be like the um I want to be like the teacher in Breakfast Club that doesn't get enough respect, but as you get older, you're like, you know what? He actually was the most human of all those kids. <laughs> I'm watching you. I'm watching you. So um, I to, to continue on with the story, I think one of my favorite versions of it um, is the animated series, the Bruce Tim one. I was talking to Freddie about it earlier. Uh, after the success of like Batman the animated series, they did the same thing with Superman, and it's a fun show. It's like a fun cartoon show. That's probably my favorite version of it. Um, and then of course, like there's that the I think the reason maybe I don't have a giant love for Superman is because when I got into comic books is when Superman died, right? Right. And so there was this real convoluted story about Superman. I'm like, eh, he died, whatever, you know. <clears throat> Even though I had all those, and I remember reading Funeral for a Friend, and I remember like the armband and all that. And I know we've talked about the armband like a thousand times on this podcast, but like, I remember that stuff, but because that was the age of like spawn and young blood and all those image comics, I think that like anti-hero, not good guy persona slipped into what I like more about mm-hmm. comic books. Yeah. And, it, and it just, but I think as I've gotten, as I've gotten older, there's like, I, there's something that I want to read more Superman. Like I feel like I'm, I'm missing out on something. So that's part of the reason, like, I was like, you know what we should do? We should read a Superman book. But I was talking to Freddie, like, there's not a ton of, like, wonderful arcs of Superman, and mm-hmm. most of them aren't in continuity, right? yeah. which is weird, right? Like, the book that we're reading today, Superman Red Sun, is not in continuity. It's an other world tale. I've heard great things about Superman Earth t- Earth 1. I love that. And, like, that's not in continuity. Uh, Superman, All-Star Superman, is that in continuity? No, nope, that's yeah, awesome All-Star, too. Uh, Superman for All Seasons, I think, is in continuity. Yeah. But there's just a like uh, there's just a bunch of Superman stories that aren't in continuity that everyone says are really good. And, of course, I chose one of those. Like I, I was like, we got to read something. And so I asked the guys which one they wanted to read. It was this or All-Star Superman. And Jeremy had never read this one. I'd never read this one. Freddie, you read this one before? Yeah, yeah so Freddie is the only one who read it out of all four of us before. And so I was like, all right, that one wins because everybody else said, I'd never read All-Star Superman. I've seen the cartoon, but I've never read the book. But I know Jeremy read it and Freddie read it. So I'm like, well, that kind of dispels the myth of what comic exposure is. So we're here reading this. Well, I think – well, first of all, I'd like to change my answer and say electric blue Superman. Um, (laughs) But you're you're right. I think there is – we see this a little – not – as much in the Batman, uh, in Batman, uh, but some of the best Batman titles are not in continuity as well. And I, and there's something about these major temple characters where it feels like DC is very hesitant to make anything canon. 
uh, anything that would is you know outside the norm. Although we put him in jeans and we gave him a beard lately, uh, but <laughs> you know in continuity. But for a while, it was like this is the sacred cow. Like we don't we don't mess with the formula. If you want to do a slightly, they, they don't take super like a they don't take a lot of risk with it. But um, you know these one off tales do give like creators the ability to go in and tell a different kind of Superman story that might be a little bit off-brand. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the other thing, like, guys, I don't know how how much you kind of follow DC stuff, but for the longest time, nothing was written for trades. And so mm-hmm. anything that was in the 700 issues of almost, what is it, 900? No, it's 600 and some issues yeah. of Superman now. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that was written at 600 and some episodes, it just doesn't, um, for whatever reason... They never, I mean, they didn't write for trades because trades weren't a market. But today, I think you could get, I think, any part of, like, uh, Snyder's run on Batman, you could grab it, and that would be a tale that you could read. But since that didn't happen, I just don't think there's any collections of, like, a story arc that would have an impact. But all of these little tales were collected, so you could then go read them, and it was something you could hold on to that was tangible. I think the same thing with Batman, is all of these other tales came out in a collected format, where people keep reading as opposed to like it's just one story out of 500 issues you know yeah, and I, w- I would love if someone curated like I, I feel like Superman is a character where in the one issue comic form you could tell a powerful story you know about like you know demigods or, or things like that yeah. a very human story I think he's a really great character to tell that single issue comic story and I bet if you got someone to go in and curate all these single issue Supermans and then make a trade of like the best ten that are just super great standalone issues. I bet that would be a great thing to have if they don't already have Do it, it out there. Yes. Do it. <laughs> I'd shoot myself like a hundred in. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk. Uh, let's get a little bit into this book. The idea, the concept of it. Uh, Travis, why don't you pitch us what this is about? You started. You started off. Not me, not just, me. I'm going to give it to the person who's read it before. Oh, Freddie. <laughs> Freddie, that's good. Yes. I like that. Freddie, it's your fourth time on. You are essentially a, a third co-host. So you <laughs> might as well tell us, to pitch us the story, give us the elevator pitch. Great. If you were going to tell someone what this was about, what would you not say? Not too easy, is it, Freddie? <laughs> no, it's not. I was just trying to tell my friend earlier pitching it and I just kept rambling. So like, <laughs> I did you, the just, same you just have to read it. Give us your dinner. best ramble. Um imagine Superman in an alternate reality universe where he's not from America but in a different country and black is white, white is black. It's just everything you think of a character archetype in the DC universe is not that. And I was trying to be vague when I was saying it because I wanted him to read Oh, That's the best I Yeah, got. yeah, yeah. Well, we're not going to be vague on this one. So this story <laughs> follows Superman. What would happen if Superman landed in Russia uh, instead of the U.S.? And what implications that would have both politically, like locally, uh, and also on a global level. And this story not only brings in Superman, but also looks at some of the ancillary characters in the Superman world. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. And uh, we play with those characters and we get to see how the world would be different if Superman were a Russian hero, a Soviet Union hero, I should say, uh, as opposed to an American hero. 
and that that's the fertile gra- that's the playground that everything kind of shoots off of in the story. It's like here's this one ch- small change in this giant mythology that we're all familiar with, and let's see how th- this shoots off. What directions this shoots? Off, what what this where the story goes if we make this one small latitude latitude and longitude change on Superman's arrival. But then, like, but the only thing to go with that is, like, but then every other superhero is also in, like, well, Batman's right. in Russia, too. Yeah. So it's this weird sort of, like, it's not only where are we transplanting, like, Wonder Woman's still from, you know, the Amazon. She's still with all the Amazon. Uh, Green Lantern's still the same, but Batman's been transported right. to, to Russia as well. I love Batman in this book. <laughs> you just like his hat. Yeah, where's the joke That's true. Why, why do you love Batman in this book, Chris? Because I really dislike Superman in this book, and I'm like, I'm like, I feel the same <laughs> as Batman, where I'm like, this, someone knocked this guy the teeth. I do like this book, but like, I wasn't a big Superman fan to begin with, and I'm like, yeah, you're right, you are like a demigod. Like, someone, why are we, why are we looking up to this? Down with <laughs> Superman. <laughs> so. Let's let's talk how this book is kind of flipped on its head, right? So let's kind of talk. Let's start there with Superman. How, uh, Jeremy? How is this Superman different than your Christopher Reeve Superman, the one that you hold dear from the nineteen seventies? Well, I mean, it's the the seeds of that Superman, but the thing that they've really ran with is the political implications of Superman's existence. Because I think even when we think about the American Superman that we know, it rarely has deep worldwide political implications. I feel like that doesn't seem to be something uh, that we talk about all the time. They're talking about a global Soviet Union because of Superman's influence uh, in the world, which is, I think, an interesting take on it. Um, He's he's a lot more dominant, I would say. Mm -hmm. The the Superman that I think of is all-powerful but oddly passive. Uh, a lot of times in that he only gets involved when he needs to and in, there's a moment in here where he he takes the helm yeah. and runs politically with it which is a different twist I think on the, <laughs> I, I, it was interesting Stalin's like you know what screw my son yeah <laughs> he's Superman, illegitimate anyway Superman you are the next uh, commissar right like you are the next yeah. leader of the of the Soviet the Soviet Union um, Freddie what do you think is the big I mean, aside from the sort of political takeaway, what about Superman was did you find the most flipped in this story? Um, I think it was just. It's a good question. I know, I know. <laughs> Not my first rodeo. <laughs> I think how he just like became just like I need to take charge for the best of humanity, or at least what he thought, you know? Yeah. And usually. Superman's not that way, you know, and I just, I we we would think that if, like, a Superman would have come here in our world and do that, he would, like, I got this, you're a simple human. So that's the one flip, it's like he became almost self-aware of who he was, you know. Yeah, so instead of being, like, the farm boy. Because he wasn't raised, was yeah. he raised farm boy? Was, yeah. Well, and here he's, boy. like, on the collective, yeah. right? Okay. He's raising the collective in the Ukraine, <laughs> but I think I think I think you're right for the idea that he, um, this idea that he decides that he's going to take over, yeah. right? Instead of like Jeremy said, he's he like our Superman, the American Superman, is all about like 
you don't want it, but like truth, justice, the American right. way, freedom, yeah. that right. sort of stuff. And so people can make their choices. He's going to be there to stop wrongdoing, but he's going to let people make choices. Right. This Superman is not cool with making choices, <laughs> right? He's got that communist, you can't make the right choice. I've got to make it for you. The government has to make it for you. Travis, you said you liked, you don't really like Superman, but you liked this book. What made you like the book despite not liking this Superman? Well, I mean, just what uh, uh, Jeremy was talking about when you talk about, I never really looked at Superman from a political standpoint and what someone with this, you know, it's, you know, this idea of absolute power. It's this idea about, you know, dictators. uh, And so looking at what makes a dictator um, and, and questioning the fact that Superman does, you know, he does make it a utopia, but there's still this, you know, retaliation against that. So then we have to look at, like, oh, the the human condition. Is it just that we don't like the idea that even if it's for our best interest uh, and the safety of our species, we're still like, nope, I like that independent choice. There is this idea, a very Lockean idea, like this, the idea of everything else is safety, everything is put aside for independence and choice. Um, which, you know, some people believe that the Soviet Union could never work, communism in its pure form could never work, because at its essential core, you're taking away that sense of individuality. And when you take someone like Superman, I thought you kind of hit it on the head, Josh, earlier, and actually kind of made me like it more, is that idea of looking at, uh, you know, when when you're raised by Ma and Pa Kent on a farm in the U.S., where it's about, you know, uh, letting people, you know, make their mistakes and and freedom and individuality, and then you take that same. It sounded like he had a good upbringing, like he, he had a good uh, da and ma, pen, uh, you know, Kent type characters in Russia, but the environmental paradigm was just different, and so that led him in into making this quick decision. And I think there have been stories, Superman stories before the American Superman where he's dealt with this same idea of like, should I just come in and just make everything better? Or do I let humans do that for their, for themselves? And he never, at least in the stories that I'm familiar with ever goes over to that complete dictatorship. And it was interesting seeing the ramifications of that play out. And also I really loved putting Luther as the foil to that. And that's taking, what I was going to jump into. Next. Yeah. So is that, that I, that idea of Lex Luthor, right? Like Lex Luthor at the end of this becomes the Lex Luthor that we all know, right? He mm-hmm. turns into the, the bad guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but at the beginning of it, Lex is painted as this very sort of sympathetic character, right? Like he's just he's trying to save the world or like what we know as America, right? Like, mm-hmm. Communist bad, Soviet Union bad, no freedom bad. And Lex is, like, making sure that that doesn't spread. But I love how, like, instead of in in the actual Superman, Lex Luthor is kind of, like, doing this all himself, right, to stop Superman. But in this one, he has the full weight and authority of the U.S. government behind him. And that seemed that's kind of a really interesting twist is, like, he's not an outsider trying to destroy Superman. He's literally, like... The guy, in fact, he becomes president of the United States in here. And, like, he's leading the free world in this thing that we always viewed him bad for, Mm -hmm. for trying to stop Superman. But in here, 
is trying to stop Superman is good. I thought that was this really kind of interesting thing. What did you guys take away from that that idea of like how did you feel about Lex Luthor being the sympathetic kind of like American hero in this? Well, yeah, I mean they do paint him that way, but the 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 core of who Lex Luthor is is still there. I feel like mm-hmm. we are more sympathetic to Lu- uh, to Luthor because we're Americans and we carry this <laughs> idea of the Reds are evil because. He's still an egotistical, driven a-hole. The whole reason he wants to stop Superman has very little to do with saving the American yeah. <laughs> dream. It's about proving his ego and his grand, uh, you know, grand vision for the world, and proving that he's the better man, even though he's physically, yeah. uh, you know, inferior to Superman. And I'm not sure that they actually ever make him the bad guy necessarily. I mean the. Where the story ends up in the end, he seems He's a like... shitty husband, at, at worst. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, we got that. Yeah. Yeah, but in, but I guess, like, he's... Um, I, like, you're right, they don't make him the bad guy. Freddie, what did you think of this this different look at, at Lexi? You know, I always... I, I wasn't sympathetic. I guess through uh, Lois, I was just more on her side with everything, and I was just like, man, even... even as a crappy husband, just like his obsession with trying to take down Superman. And in my head, I'm like, okay, he's going to snap. He's going to be, when is this going to happen? Yeah. You know? And I don't know. I just, I felt like with what they did with Lex, I, I feel like how they made him even more smarter with the calculating, with the more the math, how he analyzes everything. And I don't think I've ever seen a Lex like that, you know? I think it's an interesting question that it asks about, how do we feel about people who are shitty humans if their <laughs> ideals line up with what we value? Because that's what the Lex Luthor character is. He's still a complete douche <laughs> at his core. And yet we actually like him and the government is behind him and he's a hero to humanity. Why? Because he's lined up with the things that we're lined up with. Yeah. Right. Well, it, yeah. Makes, it, it makes me think of like Oppenheimer and stuff like that, you know, who was – you know, I'm sure the guy wasn't like the best person to have a cup of tea with. Uh, yet, you know, if if people can innovate, we forgive a lot of their their social flaws or even like their moral um, I, shortcomings because we're like, oh wow, because you're innovative and you're moving. And it's almost like, okay, in order to be this brilliant, you have to, yeah. you know, there's you can't be perfect in every way. So we're gonna. We're going to let the darkness happen because you're bringing all this innovation to it. Um, I was impressed by how much chess was in this book. Um, I, I every other page, I'm like, there's more chess going on in this book. I'm like, we get it, Millar. We get it. It's a symbolism of the, we get it. (laughs) Enough chess. (laughs) Enough dang chess. Can you just play checkers once? That's all I want. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you guys, let's get into what was your favorite flipped character? Which ancillary character who'd been flipped was the most enjoyable for you? Uh, Freddy, which flipped character did you find the most interesting? I, or, like, I guess most enjoyable. I like the Hal, uh, Green Lantern, because I like how he's just seething with this rage, you know, and how he just like... He really didn't do anything when he was tortured. He was just like he was putting in his mind what he was gonna do and how Lex, you know, used that um, to will, you know, because uh, that's what the lanterns do. You yeah. Know? And I really because Green Lantern is one of my favorite DC oh, his, characters. His so. backstory in this about how he built that whole 
concentration camp in his head. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah. Fasc- that fascinated me. Like, how would you occupy your mind? Right. And he built it step by step, shovel of dirt by shovel of dirt for all these hours. I'm like, that's that's a that's a creative like piece of storytelling for like because in that short little bit you get you're like, oh, I buy it. Like, I get why yeah. he would be so into destroying Superman. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Jeremy, which which uh, otherworldly version was did you like? Well, I mean, it's hard not to like Batman. I'm a I'm a fan of Batman. He's yes, they put Batman in Russia, but he's still the same Batman. He's you know anti-establishment and he's you know uh, violent and awesome, and then <laughs> blows himself up. It's pretty great. <laughs> I it, agreed, agreed. Uh, Travis, what was your which one? Did I you like? I really liked the Bizarro Superman. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I liked one. I liked his design. <laughs> he looked like Ernest Borgnine or something like that. Um, <laughs> but I also liked. I had to kind of read it back uh, again because I'm not sure quite what he was doing with the sacrifice. I was like, wait, what's going on here? Like, is he? Did he like? develop a conscience at all did you, did you guys get that part like what was well, happening Superman, there? He, didn't, he didn't even know because he had some different theories of himself you know what happened yeah i i are think at the end we're talking no or bizarro talking superman about? the first villain oh, bizarro. Yeah, yeah 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 the first one that um yeah yeah to face. Uh, there was something with a rocket being launched and then they were fighting in england and then i, I couldn't figure out what with the pacing of the story, like what exactly was happening there? I just like the uh, the the aspect of you know Lex's first attempt created Bizarro Superman. Basically, <laughs> I also like that Bizarro Superman. His logo is U.S. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. instead of because he's he's like he is the uh, it's like our atomic right. bomb, yeah. right? So if you think about it, it's this sort of reverse thing where. You know, we built the atomic bomb, and then Russia built this really shitty version of the atomic bomb, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't very good. Um, it wasn't nearly as powerful. And, I and it, like, this is it in reverse. Like, Russia had – they had the nuclear bomb first or Superman first, and we built a cheap knockoff. And, like, this crappy, like, ugly version of it. And I like how it's been branded, that it's, it's like, U.S. Yeah. Is, it's U.S. as Superman. It's opposed – you know, because uh, – because Superman has the the hammer and everything on his chest, he's got that Soviet logo on his chest, of course ours has to have the U.S. on it. So I, I really like this idea of, like, Green Lantern and military fatigues, like this idea that, you know, he's he looks like a pilot, like a bomber pilot, and he's the only one. The rest of the Green Lanterns have, like, space suits on, right? Yeah, they yeah. look like Baymax from Big Hero 6. Yeah, the rest yeah. of them have, have space suits on. But Hal Jordan has, I really dig that sort of design of it. And the cool thing about, you know, getting the the package, you know, getting this in this form is you get to see all those early designs that different people did of it. Yeah. And so you get to see the back, you know, as he's trying to figure out how to draw Superman, how to draw, you know, all these different takes on it. And the, the page with uh, Green Lantern is just a really cool design that they did, for it, right? Like, the ring itself is pretty much the same, but then the costume is this whole different this whole different look I really like. The Lantern's plan though with Superman is pretty crappy and does, yeah. it lasts a whole like half a page. It like, does. Nope, didn't work. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, oh, Travis. Yeah, it's, it's just it's all written off with that one line. You're gonna yeah. use a mind weapon against someone who's <laughs> three times faster than human thought, and you're like, Really? 
<laughs> but that's super. I guess like that's the we talked earlier about how like you know why don't people why might we not like Superman? You know, Freddie posed the question. I don't know if it was before the podcast at this point or not because we were talking for yeah. a while beforehand. The idea that like why don't people like Superman? And I think one of the reasons that I don't like Superman is, or I like Superman. The reason I think sometimes um, he can get out of any situation. He's a character that you can write out of anything because he was created in early comic books and you always wanted him to be able to get out of any situation. So you just kept adding more and more powers to the guy. And so he's essentially, he doesn't need a MacGuffin because he's the MacGuffin. Right. Right? He's, like a walking he ex- he's a walking ex machina. You know, he just like, yeah. he just gets himself out of all his own situations by just yeah. like writing in some new power. <laughs> uh, but you know like i i think it's a but it, that idea of him being a god gives you the ability to tell a bunch of good stories i think um because what he has to struggle with can't be can't be a a real threat it has to be like a personal threat mm-hmm. and i think you get that in this at the very end the struggle between him like him being played by brainiac is kind of an interesting way to end it, you know, have that last part of Superman be, you know, the, the turn that Brainiac's going to get him to, like, destroy the Earth, essentially, um, gives you one more, one more, you know, like, Superman has to redeem himself. So that's my question. Did Superman have to, did you need Superman to redeem himself in this? Or could he have just been a bad guy? Well, before we get into that, I, I do want to answer that yeah. question, but I want to talk and I want to hear Freddie's take on it too and Jeremy's is the idea of why do people hate Superman. I think you're right. I think with Superman is kind of built to tell those godlike characters of like what happens if you have this much power and how is your life? But I feel that the problem is that the average reader doesn't have that kind of power in their life. I mean, very I mean, at what part in my life do i feel like i have that complete control and like the i mean there are people who have those kind of burdens in life uh but i think the best stories that you can tell with superman are interesting stories about power but necess- don't aren't necessarily the 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 thing to keep a reader coming back and coming back to that character what do you think uh freddie i know you were probably talking about it before the podcast um well like I said, I, I love Superman. I even watch Smallville. And I think what, what draws me to him is Clark more than Superman mm-hmm. because it's more relatable. And it's the struggle of when he needs to use these powers and how he shows the ability. You know, it's like choosing to decide um, when to lend a helping hand or not. Because as humans, I mean, you know, sometimes you have a friend that's struggling, but sometimes they kind of need to go through their, their own, you know. And I don't know. I, I feel like growing up reading superman i i read it for clark because he was even though he was superman or super, you know growing up with that finding his powers but struggling because he was a social outcast too you know right and i think the absence of clark or the clark equivalent in this is a, a purposeful choice to say if superman can never be grounded in that human alter ego then this could possibly be what happens. There, were, there was no and attempt he's just really to be, shitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no attempt <laughs> yeah. to have like a Russian Clark Kent, you know, uh, where he's like, "I am a boxer," you know, or some. I guess, <laughs> I guess the Russian Clark Kent probably wouldn't be a boxer. That might blow your cover pretty quickly. <laughs> we couldn't. He, he couldn't be a reporter because 
Well, I guess he could work for state-run media, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back so, to what you were saying, Josh, with the question that yeah. you had asked. Go ahead. So we have Superman redeem himself essentially at the end of this, right? You kind of see him in... You know, but you, you have him redeem himself, but do we need that? Does that detract from this other world story where Superman is supposed to be like, what would happen with? Or do we get like, oh, Superman's good all along. See, it's not where he's from. It's just who he is. And he's just been played. What, what do you guys think? Did you mm. need that? Or I feel like you loaded that at the end with your... Uh, I, probably, <laughs> I, I probably did. But like, that's my thoughts on it. It just seemed like... I don't know that I, I just wanted him to be defeated, I think, and just have that be it, but that didn't happen. What do you guys think about that idea of him sacrificing himself, or he didn't really sacrifice himself because he's still around, but what did we need that version of it? Hit it, Jeremy. Jeremy. I feel like I, I really enjoyed the book. I actually feel like the coda on this thing is is the weakest part, to be honest with you, uh, for a couple reasons. Number one... Um, it, it really confuses the political allegory, I think, when Luther's version of capitalism becomes this unbelievable utopia. I, I don't know. I think it, it brought in a lot of complication as to it. It seems like it's negating a substantive conversation about the weaknesses of capitalism when Luther gets unrestrained capitalism and it makes everything wonderful and rosy forever. It seems like this book would have been written in 19... 19- you know, 57, not 2003 with that outlook. I didn't, I didn't love that. I thought it was a little out of the blue. I thought the twist at the end, the whole thing at the end with uh, his redemption, him coming back secretly. Uh, I don't know. I just didn't need any of that. It could have literally ended with the scene uh of Lex saying checkmate Superman and been done. That could have been the end of the book to me, and I would have been happy. I agree. Yeah, I think after that it got a little weird. Like, are they on – they weren't on Earth, but they were on – like, I'm, I'm confused at, like, why then the descendants of Lex Luthor is Superman later. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, right. that whole weird part, I don't – that's the one thing that didn't make sense to me. Like, weren't they on Earth, but now they're sending him to a different... I don't know. That was I, that just felt weird, weird to me. Like, here's a weird twist, and he ends up in Ukraine again. Yeah, I thought I, 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 thought I was going to, like... I thought for sure I was going to turn that last page, and it was like, this time he lands in America, and the... That's, the that's time, what I yeah. thought. I, it, but he's... I guess, like, does it never... It never starts with the, but it says the United States, but it never says they're on Earth. That's I true. guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right at the beginning, yeah. and it never says that they're on Earth, and we just assume it's on Earth. You know why I assumed it's on Earth? Because it says United States. Well, he and says freaking Eisenhower's there. He says terraform. <laughs> he says like terraform one. He says like the scientific name for Earth as being like his uh, Lex does at one point. Um, yeah, I assumed they were shoehorning some kind of weird time travel something in there because it's not really explained what's going. On. No, <laughs> it's a, it's a weird ending. It's a weird. I think that's the one part. I think you're right, Jeremy. If you ended it with the checkmate, Superman, it could have been good. I think I'd have been. It'd have been like, all right, okay, they both redeemed themselves, right? Like, 
Um, Luther was right, kind yeah. of. Superman wasn't a turd, kind of. Yeah. yeah, and that gives you a different a different take on it. Um, it but that the whole last little I don't know three or four pages is is wonky. Okay, I want to know. I want to know from you guys when they reveal the note. I'm Freddie, you already knew it because you had read it before. But when they're like, "Oh, he," when they show Lex, he's like, "I'm gonna." The pen is mightier than the sword. I'm gonna bring him to his knees in this one sentence, and they build it for a couple of panels. And I'm like, "Ooh, what's in that sentence? Did it pay off? Did the uh, did the statement pay? Off? I'm gonna go ahead and read the statement. Why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle, Superman? Was that were you like? Did that give you chills, or were you like, ah? <laughs> what do you think, Freddie? Well, I already read it. Yeah. Uh, well, well, the first okay. time you read it, what do you think about it? I, I it hit me hard because it's mm-hmm. it's um, it's Superman controlling everything, and that's not he realized. Like well, that, to Josh's question, I liked how it, the redemption story. I think even a godlike person, uh, person like Superman, deserves a good redemption story too. So I. I don't know. It really hit me hard with that. So, with the whole bottle thing, it's like that's not who you are, bro. You lost control. <laughs> yeah, his his greatest his greatest failure to not <clears throat> get those people out of that bottle of Stalin was Stalingrad was in the bottle. Um, yeah, he realized. Oh, it's he's just he's been doing that. He's been the brainiac the whole time. I thought it was a cool. I was when I got when I read this statement. I got like chills. I was like. Ooh, that would bring you to your knees. But I'm also like, this is a smart guy. He never thought about that earlier. He never made that connection. <laughs> yeah, he's just been too. He's just been too busy playing chess, taking care of the whole Earth, <laughs> taking care of the whole freaking Earth. It always makes me think like Superman. We think of him as just saving people in America, but I, it was just weird to hear him go like, "Oh, one second, there's a." Something in Bangladesh. I've got to go take care of it, or wherever he flew off to and came back. And um, I like I don't I don't think I read enough Superman to see if they play with that all the time. But it was it was interesting to see Superman World Police, right? Like yeah. in this role of, of taking care of everything uh, around the globe. But he's only one guy. He's still only one guy. I like when he's carving a statue of himself. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? And he, he, for all his world power, still so naive. He could not see that Diana was in love with him the whole time. And that's <laughs> what the most tragic part of this whole story is. I'm like, you got this hot-ass Wonder Woman right there willing to service your every need. And what do you do? Maybe you're in the bottle, Superman. You ever think about that? Maybe you're in he's, the bottle. He's too busy, again, running a communist regime have time for ladies. Yeah, worldwide is not easy. No, I mean, if it were just the Soviet Union proper, he'd probably have some free time. He'd have a whole but harem. It's the entire globe he's dealing with, you know what I mean? Uh, and Jeremy's on a page where it's uh, Kennedy. It's a great-looking Kennedy. Like It's like an old, paunchy Kennedy, yeah. and I kind of I kind of dig old, paunchy Kennedy in, the, in, in this book. How about Luther that looks exactly like Sean Connery? Notice that? Where, man, where did I miss a Sean Connery? Like almost this is Sean. Oh yeah, that's totally that's totally Sean. It's like a cover. It's like a from one of his movies. Yeah. So Josh, how long before you work this into your history or government curriculum? (laughs) Um, I you know what I we I always kind of like to use propaganda to kind of like showcase Mm -hmm. a point, 
And I'm curious as to, like, what was Miller's real purpose in this? Because Jeremy had just pointed out the end, like, look, unrestrained capitalism is a utopia. Um, yeah. And communism is this evil thing. And it just makes me wonder, like, this was 2003. This was, like, Bush is at, like, a super unpopular, like, is... Or no, I guess it was after 9-11, yeah, so yeah, it wasn't... He was, he was riding pretty, he was high, riding pretty high. But I, it just seems... I don't know, it seems like a weird time for the book to have been written. Right, right. For, like, yeah. a, uh, this sort of overt praise of capitalism at the very end. Not that there's anything... Not, not that I'm disparaging the idea of capitalism, but it, it just seemed like a weird... And we're going to spend a long time about how communism is good at doing all of this stuff, but not good with freedom. But then at the very end, uh, everything's great. If if we just had unrestrained capital, it just seemed like a well. Both were got, great. Both were great. Superman created utopia as well, except for the United States. It was kind of yeah. a weird indictment of how to create a utopia. <laughs> it's like the results were the same. I mean, there was no people were living a long time. There were no crime or even accidents during Superman's thing. It's just it wasn't coming from the people. It was coming. It was being directed. You know, to the people. Well, yeah. Aside from the lobotomies, but oh know. yeah, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> well, you're right. You gotta lobotomize people. Yeah. Those things look clunky too. That wasn't even like a small <laughs> yeah. microchip. That was like a, like one of those little like a tiny little fedora on the side of your head. Well, you got to let people know that you've been like you got to show your handiwork. Right, you want to yeah. let people know what happens if you step out of line. That's so right. it has to be this big overt thing. Otherwise, how people how are people going to know that you'll remove their brain and reprogram them. All right, you Jeremy, you, you called it out good. I retract my previous statement. The <laughs> utopias are not the same. So, uh, Travis, let's talk uh, Let's talk art. Let's wrap up our conversation with a little, little conversation on art. Uh, we've got two artists on here, and sometimes it's easy to tell where one is and where the other's at, but not always. I found myself like, Oh, it switched kind of like a couple pages into the next artist. Um, but we've got Dave Johnson and Andrew Robinson do the first two issues or the first two sections. And then uh, Plunkett and Wong do the last two sections. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what did you guys think of the art? Let's, uh, let's go. Let's, Jeremy, what do you think of the overall well, art? I, I... I like it. I prefer the back half. Um, it feels a little grittier. I know part of it is because our character is a little older, a little more aged, uh, a little paunchier. But I'm looking at this um, Luther in a spacesuit or whatever the heck he's wearing. You know, it's it's really great. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, I like it. It feels very, it feels very DC. It feels very Superman to me. It feels uh, like what I expected it to be. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a good thing no, or a bad I, thing, but I was satisfied with it. DC has a style, and they stick to it. <laughs> uh, Freddie, what do you think of the overall art? I thought that was great. Um, I liked actually the first half, I guess, because uh, the the second half, I it was hard for me to tell. There was so much going on, and he did a good job, but for me, I was just like lost a little bit with the madness. A little, a little too detailed in the, yeah. in the latter half of it. Travis, what do you think of the art overall? I thought the art was, uh, I'm going to use the word, serviceable. Um, I, I, you know, I think it, it it allowed to tell the story at a good pace. 
Um, I think there was just a really missed opportunity to do styles in the era of Superman as we move through this. Because we move like almost pre-Cold War Superman all the way to like the future. And I thought it would be kind of cool to see, you know, iconic Superman, but the Russian form drawn in the same kind of penciling and inks as that 1940s Superman we're familiar with was so you could really it would i think it would just really sell home like oh wow this looks like classic superman except he's got you know a sickle on his chest <laughs> uh so i mean I, I i thought the art was fine on this again like jeremy said it, it is kind of nice every now and then it is nice to cleanse your palate with some good old dc house style you know <laughs> after you've been reading some like more indie, in, indie books it's just like ah let me put a little uh, DC ginger sprite. ginger in my <laughs> mouth cleanses this out. Uh, so yeah, I thought the art was was fine on this. I didn't think the the panel construction. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about this in a second. But I had a little bit. I had to look a little bit deeper to find my favorite panel this time because nothing really, for me at least, stuck out as being like aesthetically designed to you know keep my eyes on that panel. Okay. I, you know, I, th- I think I'm going to agree with you. I think the art is serviceable. The first half had a little bit of a Tim Sale feel to it every mm-hmm. once in a while. Yeah. There were some panels that were really Tim Saley, and I was like, oh, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of dig that a little bit where it was like heavy shadow. I think I dug those panels the most. Um, I think the the latter half um, was straight up. Yeah, it was it was pretty DC house style, right? Yeah, I think the one thing. If I could complain about, I think the second half coloring I don't like. I think the coloring on the second half is a little too Photoshop at times. There's too much gradient used. Mm-hmm. Like there's like, oh well, we've got to make it look like they're in shadow. All right, I'm gonna just do, dra- do my tool and go like light to dark with the gradient, and it'll be it'll look good. It'll look good. And that's the thing that drives me that drives me nuts is like today there are some like really fantastic color artists. I just feel like there was this time when then when colorists were like either there weren't enough of them and so they were like rushing through jobs, but there's just some heavy handed photoshoppy it looks too digital at times, and that always bugs me a little bit. But I, it was serviceable. I really liked uh Batman's design. Yeah, the hat's a little goofy, but I kinda like how else do you make Batman appear Russian if you don't right. put a big hat on him? Because there's nothing that's distinctly American about Batman. So I kind of like the idea of the hat, uh, but I, you know, I think you're right. It's it's serviceable DC art. Um, I really dug all the other drawings in the back. I kind of really dug the the sketchy work that Plunkett did in the back, and I'm like, well, I wish he would have just drawn it like that. Like, I kind of wish some of that texture would have been there. There's a really cool Alex Ross page on the back, where like Alex Ross mm-hmm. didn't draw this, but there's some Alex Ross stuff in the back. Um, I do, I do kind of like that, that kind of look. The Alex Ross stuff. I was like, oh man, I wish it would kind of cool at Alex Ross on this. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's some cool stuff in there. Um, but otherwise, you know, it was good. I mean, it, for for what it is, for a Superman story, I don't really go to DC expecting like phenomenal work, but it was enjoyable. I liked it. Um, so let's talk favorite panels, gentlemen. Favorite panels. Uh, y'all got one picked out? I'm ready. All yep. right, let's go, uh, Freddie. Let's let's hear about your favorite panel, buddy. Mine is the one with Wonder Woman, um, 
basically dying. You know, after she breaks the lasso and she comes down, she's all like with the white hair and I don't know, it's just that haunting image of Wonder Woman and it's so horrific and it like broke my heart to see her like that <laughs> and to that she's betrayed, you know, yeah. at the same time and I don't know. Really yeah, I stopped it. on that one too because I was like, ooh, what happened here? It is it is sad too because you're like, oh my God, she's just trying to help out her buddy and now she's all old and wrinkly. <laughs> <laughs> so true. All right, Jeremy, what's yours? Yeah, I'm in the same neighborhood. The one of her breaking the lassos, that's a Wonder Woman weekend, so let's stick with the theme. Uh, it's It's got great motion to it that I really like. Um, yeah, it's great. All right, Travis, what's yours, buddy? You know me. If it's got a cigarette in the panel, it's my favorite one. I'm going to go with Lex Luthor in the astronaut suit, lighting up a cigarette where it looks like he's wearing, like, headphones around his neck. And it's where, like, he's like, congratulations, Superman. You've successfully identified one of the most, one of the two most famous faces on terra firma. Uh, and it's just like, like, all of a sudden... Lex Luthor had been drawn kind of like old and weird kind of mad scientist. All of a sudden, he's like Clark Gable with a shaved head. <laughs> in this, <laughs> about to... Oh, yeah, I just love that. It was very, like, house reason, style. For some reason, with that one, I thought of Armageddon. Yes, yeah, yes, you know. it is. That's, that, that, I think you nailed it. I think that's subconsciously, I was like, all right, Brucey Bruce in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it is, exactly. it is it very like resourceful for the right stuff. It. You nailed right? it, it's right? Very... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Guys, I think, if I, was um, gonna, I... I think I have a crush on Bruce Willis. I just... <laughs> this this, this, this uh, comic has drug up some dark secrets for me. <laughs> there's a, I, I think there's one, and you, Travis, you'd mentioned before, You in this... Everything's very formulaic the way the panel layouts are. There was nothing that was really like, oh, that's a really cool stand. I mean, there's a couple of them, but there's no, like, big... And there's some bombastic moments, but there's nothing that's sort of, like, just stuck out really cool. There's a fight scene between Batman, and uh, it's all around... I think we're all kind of in the same... That's a cool fight sequence. Also in the same area where uh, Batman has the bomb inside of him. Oh like yeah! In his in his intestines, he has the bomb, uh, and then <clears throat> there's. Uh, I just thought it was an interesting way to do it. There's a panel um, at the very top is um, Superman busting out of stuff, but underneath, uh, Clark or Superman is using his X-ray vision to look into Batman, and I just like that panel of Batman where there's the X-ray vision of his chest, and, like Batman's hunched over with the button. Uh, talking about you know, um, talking about how he'd rather die for the cause than like working for Superman, um, and, and talking about you know Superman's like I'll just give you brain surgery to make you follow me, and he's like forget it, dude, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kill myself, and so I thought that that whole thing was kind of it was kind of a, that's an interesting panel. You don't get to see him use his powers all that much, and I really kind of dug uh, that look. Yeah, I like that one too. That whole fight scene was really cool, and there was some classic moments in there. The, I think the that's problem was the Zach, I think Zach, that's probably the best part of the book. Zack Snyder would have not Zack Snyder. Who am I thinking of? Um, uh, the director. Yeah, uh, Scott, Zach Snyder. Zach Snyder. Thank you, not Scott Snyder. 
Uh, Zack Snyder, I think, would have a hard time turning this into a movie because it doesn't have those panels where he can just steal and put on the screen. Uh, you know, <laughs> like Superman's not floating up from a crowd for a full-page splash. Nothing's being lifted over his head for a full-page splash. There's really a, there's really a lot of uh, missing of full-page splashes in here, which would make this hard for some directors. There's only yeah, there's a couple of them in here, but nothing too like poster over the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, guys. So let's do overall feeling, and let's 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 pull this train into the station. Uh, Freddie, overall thoughts in on Russia? Superman all Red trains Sun. run on time. <laughs> <laughs> overall thoughts on Superman Red Sun, and would you would you uh, recommend it to somebody? Uh, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's a fun read. It's a great twist on, you know, a classic hero. My A few gripes uh, I don't like when they have, like, little, like, um, blurbs, like the death of Superman, and they have it, like, in bold, you know, or, like, little things like that to, like, hey, this is a nod to the fans. I just, I don't, I don't like those fan service <laughs> things. And a part of me wishes there wasn't Batman, Green Lantern, and Wonder Woman because it's, like, you've got to have those, you know. Um, but they work. No Flash, though. No yeah. Flash, though. Oh, I was yeah. like, how is Flash not in this thing? I just, I figured we'd get a Barry Allen. Was not. he not hot? Um, was he not hot in two thousand? In the early two thousands, when this came out, it was not. No, actually, they they was brought it? him back. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, because I was reading Flash at that time, two thousand three. Yeah, I, and that was. I was like, there's no Flash. I guess if you're gonna bring him in, don't you bring him all in? Isn't Aquaman? Shouldn't Aquaman be yeah. in this thing too? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> he's gotta have some socialist. He's gotta have some socialist under the sea government going on. What's going? Well, he's like a monarch, so shouldn't he be fighting against this idea of social, like socialism or what? I don't oh, know. Yeah, would have been or it would have been a chance to bring in more, uh, you know, more government there. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, what's your overall thought? Would you recommend it? Yeah, totally like it. Uh, I think the the ending isn't my favorite, but I thought the storyline was good. It was entertaining. It was. Uh, I think it it plays with a lot of the tropes that a person who maybe isn't really into comics would be able to pick up on and run with. Uh, I was explaining the storyline to my wife tonight over dinner, and she said it sounded great but I'm sure that's just because she loves me and I'm a wonderful storyteller. <laughs> uh, Travis, your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm the same as uh, Jeremy. You know, I've, I've, told, I've explained the summary of this story to like two or three people, and all of them say, that's a really cool idea. What if he landed in Russia? What were the impl- implications of that? And I think Miller does a good job of exploring a lot of the implications that we want and we expect to read in a story like this. It's not like, oh, Superman lands in Russia, but that's not really a big part of it. No, it really focuses in on, you know, that capitalism versus, you know, the Soviet Union and all, and all those political ideals. It's not a bunch of people getting, like, punched in the face the whole time. They really do stay in that kind of political realm uh, of storytelling. And this is what comics do, man. We take this iconic figure. The Superman symbol is one of the most recognized symbols in the world. And... It, what a fun way to play with that, that that iconoclast is just to, like, mix it up. And I love how this whole story can be told just by landing him in a different location. Let's do this. Let's continue this series. Let's land him in China in 2017. Let's land him in... Um, if you, know, you land Mexi- him in the United States right now, it'd probably end up just about the same. Yeah, We're so what, close to Russia. What if we land him in, like, you know, 16... Uh, 
fifties and like Native Americans, and he becomes like <laughs> let's just let's just land him in different cultures at different time periods. Do it. You're gonna make your Superman coffee table book with all of the <laughs> the best single issues of Superman, and you're gonna start writing the Superman anthology where he lands in different timelines and different locales. I'm Here's like, my thing though: good. if he lands in Japan, we can't call it Red Sun. We'd have to call it Yellow Sun, and that sounds a little bit racist. <laughs> I, isn't? Aren't you in the land? You could call it Rising Sun. You're oh, in the land of the Rising Sun. That's an easy fix and a much less racist way to do that. Thank you, editor. <laughs> I appreciate it. I will take your note. That's why I'm on this. That's why I'm on this podcast, Travis, to mellow out the dumb shit you say. <laughs> <laughs> so, my overall thoughts: I enjoyed the book. I think Jeremy's right. If I could just take a black marker and cross out the pages after he says checkmate Superman. Uh, I think it would be, it would almost be near perfect. Um, I think that this is a good one to hand off to someone who I, this is probably one I'll stick in my classroom. I have like a set of them in my room, like some big books in my room. And this is one that I'd put in there. Like, yeah, if you want something to read during, you know, like the homeroom time, there's something there. That's good. It's a decent story. Um, I don't know that I'd run out and tell everybody, like, you should read this. But I think if you like Superman, you haven't read this yet, I'd, I'd check it out. So it's an, even if you don't like Superman, I think this is a way to get you to read something that maybe you don't like Superman. This is a different take on it. You might enjoy the political. I really like the sort of political machinations of it are really what kept me going through it as I, as I read it. Um, yeah, you so, should read Travis, Superman Red Sun while listening to Eddie Vedder's Hard Sun while drinking some Jameson. And I think that three combo right there would be a nice little evening for anyone. It would be a, be a good night. It'd be a good night. <laughs> so, Travis, uh, we've got a handful of shows coming up. Comic Book Summer is underway. I'm going to say my... the official kickoff is Vegas Con. I'm going to say Vegas Con will be the official kickoff to the Comic Exposure Summer of Reed. I'm looking forward to it, dude. We're, we've got a couple weeks, and we're in about three weeks, and we're at Vegas Con, which is pretty exciting. I got my stack of summer reads in the mail today. I posted it up on Twitter. All the books we're reading for Comic Book Summer, all five of them showed up today. I got them all at one time. Nice. So I got my stack to read. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, actually, I think there's six books if you throw in uh, All-Star Batman, which we're doing. So six books for, for, uh, for Comic Book Summer. Or up on Twitter, check them out. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. Uh, you can find this episode and all of our other episodes up on any podcast app that you, you look for us on. If you listen to us on iTunes, if you give us a good rating, that'd be awesome. That helps people find the show. The more positive stars we get, the more likely it is to show up when people search comics on on uh, on, uh, on iTunes. You can find, like I said, all these episodes also on our website, www.comicexposure.com. We're on the Instagrams. We're on the Facebook. We're everywhere. We're a multimedia conglomerate. Uh, find us. Listen in. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, and you know what? Gentlemen, it's always good to have you on the show. Can I come back? Uh, Freddie, you can always come yes. back. Yes. <laughs> okay. Next round. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> all right. And uh, we'll see you next trade. Okay.